Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. 30 days to live. What if you knew that that was the amount of time you had left here on earth? What would be the the core priorities that would shape your decision-making process that would guide your life? That's the question that we've been chasing over the past couple weeks. We have today and then next week will be our our final priority. But uh, week one, we, we looked at that reality that is somewhat counterintuitive where where God calls us to not do anything except bask in the sunlight of his love. In Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to to 21, where he says, just Paul prays that our eyes would be opened and that we would be able to, to understand the enormity of God's love for us, his limitless love. And as we receive his love and live in light of his love, he transforms us to be like himself. He he fills us up with his fullness. And so we ran with that picture of the turtle basking on the the uh, climbing up on the log, basking in the sunlight of God's love for us, and appreciate those of you still sending me pictures of turtles, and I had a couple this week, but one that was so good. This is Sayla Howard. She's like fourth grade, um, watercoloring this, so you can see her if you'd like to have another one of those, and hopefully she's going to make her artwork available to us one day. The great picture of uh, just basking in the, the limitless love of God. And then last week we looked, the second step then, based on who we are, our, our identity is to follow Jesus into a life of love. And this comes from Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul writes, follow God's example or be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love or live in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so, you know, as, as we break huddle, fired up, receiving the love of God, hearing the, the call of Christ to follow me into a life of sacrificial love, we're ready to go until we uh, step out into reality and realize these next 30 days are going to be lived on a battlefield. We have an opponent, a spiritual opponent that's bigger than we are, more powerful than we are, who is violently opposed to us living for the glory of God. The end goal of all of this is the glory of God. And we align our our passions with the the songwriter in Psalm 115.1 who says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And as we live our lives, we're living for his glory. And the way that plays out is we're offering ourselves up as a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God in a life of love. But we have an opponent who seeks to, to derail what, what we're seeking to do for, the, for God's glory. And it can be scary. It can be moments that we look at the challenges ahead of us and our capacities and realize we don't have, we're not equal for this task. What do we do in those moments? And the core priority that we're going to look at today answers that question and equips us for those moments ahead. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a, one of those unexpected blessing moments of life. It was an ordinary Thursday. I was headed to Rotary Lunch to enjoy, you know, lunch and time with friends. And each Rotary meeting, we have a, a program where someone comes and shares something. Little did I know, Heath Allen had lined up Sarah Fisher to be our program for the day. She was indie 
500 driver to come open up her heart to, you know, what a racer's heart looks like, but also what was it like to, to be in the greatest of, of races? And thankfully, someone asked her the question, hey, what's it like to be in the start of the Indy 500? You know, when you hear those famous words, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines, and then Indy just explodes with rumble and thunder as all that power cranks up and the hope of, you know, winning the race. And it gives you goosebumps if you're a fan, I understand, but can you imagine being in the driver's seat? And so they lobbed that question up. She said, yeah, if you're in the front, it's awesome. It's like um, blue sky and clean air, and you don't have all those crazy drivers. But if you're in the middle of the pack or the back of the pack, it's like, have you ever been skiing down a black diamond, except it's not snow, it's ice, and you don't really know where you're going to go? <laughs> she said, that's what it's like. And as I think about that picture, I think about our journey as followers of Christ. And, you know, those moments when we're like, yes, so good, and Yes, we have a purpose worth pursuing, and, and we're like, let's go. And then you get out there in that purpose that God's given you, and you're in the middle of the pack, feel like you're skiing down a black diamond on ice, <laughs> and you're like, help. And the tendency is to forget the promise of God, to ignore the command of God, to take matters into our own hands, to think, I, I got to control this situation, and even depart from the will of God and what he's called us to and today's core priority is so good. It's simple. For many of us, it will be reviewed, but it is foundational and, and life-giving if we'll live in it. And it is found in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. If you would, join me there. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Solomon writes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge or submit to him, and he will direct your paths. So the core priority, number three, is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. As we unpack this priority, it's helpful to know the backstory of the author. King Solomon is, is really sharing a lifetime of wisdom, condensing it into these proverbs, so, which are, you know, memorable packets of truth that he's giving to those he loves the most most his kids. And as I was rereading this, I was just thinking again, aren't you thankful that the wisdom of Solomon didn't die with Solomon? But God in his grace preserved it, inspired him to write these down, and then preserved his word for us so that we can benefit from this today. In any season of life, this is aimed really at, at high school students, but it's also good for any age of life. And I, I just so rich, even as we come to this text, it's a uh, it, the truth is powerful, and when he writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart, this is not coming out of a, an easy life, but, but this is life-tested truth. And it's interesting as you even watch how Solomon steps into his life mission at the start of it. Remember, Solomon is Bathsheba's son, and uh, David gives a promise, gives an oath to Bathsheba, Solomon is going to be the next king. Now, there's lots of boys who could be king, so, you know, there's that rivalry, and sure enough, there's a, a big brother, Adonijah, who uh, says, you know what, I, I think I'm going to be king when, when he comes of age. Solomon's 20 at the time. Often you wonder, why doesn't David go ahead and make 
Solomon King Erlo is probably letting him green up a little bit before he takes over the responsibilities. David's very old, but still um, able to, to do the job. And, uh, but here his other son, Adonijah, says, I'm going to be king. And he goes and talks to Joab, the commander of David's army, military. He gets military power with him. Then he goes and gets a priest with him. And then he goes and throws a king me party. He doesn't invite David, nor does he invite Solomon or anyone who supports these guys, but they're down here having this party where he's announcing himself to be king. Um, now, what's this mean for Solomon? If, if your brother goes to be king, that means you're going to be a fugitive and possibly die. Your best case, you're going to be in exile. So what's Solomon do when his big brother assumes the kingship and goes to call himself king? What's he do? It's fascinating when you read Kings, he does absolutely nothing. Now, there's a time to move, time not to move. But in this case, he knew it is God who lifts to the throne. And he's entrusting God to position him in that place. And he does nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Even when another brother's trying to take the position that's rightfully yours, this is like a big deal. Yeah. And it's fascinating to watch God work. Nathan the prophet goes and taps on Solomon's mom, Bathsheba, and is like, hey, Bathsheba, you need to go wake David up. Tell him what's going on. And then while you're talking to him, I'll come in. And so she goes and says, hey, David, remember that promise you gave me? Solomon, Nathan comes in and says, hey, this is what's going on. David wakes up, and he throws another party, king me party, or actually where the king will king Solomon party in Jerusalem. So you have these two parties going on, and it's interesting when this party finds out about the, the, the real party that's, that's happening. But all that to say, Solomon, when he says trust in the Lord with all your heart, there were moments when, when it was not easy. And he has those moments when he wonders, how's this going to happen? And early on, he's 20 years old, just not long after um, he, he comes to the throne. Listen what happens. It's powerful moment. The, uh, we'll pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 5. God meets Solomon in a dream, and it says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to him during the night in a dream, and God said, here's the, the blank check, if you will, ask for whatever you want me to give you. So young king, what do you want? And Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in, my, in place of my father David, but I am only a child. I'm a young, young person and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among a people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And then the Lord was, was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, never have been or a, a king like you, or will be a king like you. Moreover, I will give you 
what you have not asked for. And he goes on to give him the wealth and the things that, that he didn't ask for. God gave Solomon wisdom like he's never given another person wisdom. And the wisest man to walk says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Solomon, do you mean, I mean, if anyone has understanding to lean on, it would be yours. And he's like, no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. As he writes, trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. The uh, trust assumes relationship, doesn't it? It's faith in motion. But it's born out of a relationship where, where two people know each other. And so this is assuming we know the Lord. We've received his, uh, the promise of forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. We're, we're trusting his, him as our Savior. And we've begun this personal relationship where we walk with him. We talk with him. We respond to his leading and his, found in his word. And then we find him to be faithful. And, and we continue to trust him step by step. It's assuming we're, we're basking in the sunlight of his love. We're also responding to him and following him into the, uh, the life of love that he's called us to. But then here comes that fear-inducing circumstance that causes us to, to wonder, can I trust you in this moment? And as I was thinking about my life, maybe you have those same experiences. Most of my life, I trust the Lord for pretty good with this and this and this. Lord, I trust you with this, 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 and that. But there's this one area that I really value and that I really need that um, when that's at stake, to trust you with that and the temptation to take matters into my own hands, to think that, you know, for that relationship, I I think I'm going to do this or or, this is my job, right? This is my position at work. and, And I'm going to have to like skip around the law of love in this case because I really need to get from here to there or whatever it is that, that we're pursuing. And we have that moment of to follow you into a life of love in this context. Trust me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, as I was thinking about and just meditating in this text this week, the word that really jumped out to me was the all. Where God's calling each of us and inviting each of us to everything in you, all your heart, trust me, and then lean not on your own understanding is is how that plays out and what that looks like. And you say, well, why? Now, this doesn't mean we don't learn, grow, and develop wisdom and um, rely on that in, in, a, in some ways. But what he's saying here is when it comes to each step of your life, let me be the final authority. Let me be the one you're, you're looking to for, for wisdom, for direction, because my understanding is infinitely bigger than, than yours. And I was thinking, what if you, we could stack up everything that we know, we'll ever know, Life experience, wisdom, and we stack all that up that, that we have, and we stack it up next to the, the, the wisdom and knowledge of our God. <laughs> and it's just like his wisdom is infinite in its vastness, it's eternal in, it, in its perspective, 
there are moments throughout Scripture. Isaiah 40 is one of those chapters where the Lord just kind of says, hey, step back for a minute and remember, whoever has given me counsel, like, who, who have I ever gone to as a teacher to teach me anything? His, to, to stack up our wisdom next to his knowledge is like a speck of dust next, next to, you know, the largest mountain that we can imagine. Say, well, what about our collective wisdom as humans? What if you take cultural wisdom and all the, the history that we have and we pile that all together, all the wisdom that every human has ever had, put it together and stack that up next to the wisdom of God, what would it look like? Well, then you just have like a pile of dust next to the mountain of God's wisdom. He says, guys, as you do life, trust me with all your heart. You'll be tempted to lean on your own understanding. You'll think, ah, oh, you know, in this circumstance, actually, for me and for now, I need to do this. Even though it's stepping around the will of God, the, the direction of God as he's given you that, saying, don't lean on your own understanding. This week we've been preparing for uh, Jesse's having an open house at our house, and so you have that to-do list. One of them was to paint the pergola. And so I was... Over the past couple of weeks, you know, up there power washing the pergola. And as I'm up on that roof, I'm walking from board to board, and there's the lattice in between, which I'm not sure if it can hold my weight. And so I keep saying to myself, watch my step and don't step on the lattice. Just stay on the boards. And then uh, the, uh, I pull the lattice off, and so now it's just space right there. And so I'm stepping from board to board as I'm painting and caulking all that stuff. And late in the day, and you start getting tired thinking about other stuff, and I'm just like, keep telling myself. Stay on the board. Stay on the board. Don't step into that area that, where there is nothing because it will not be a happy ending, right? <laughs> Our understanding is like, that la it's like that pergola roof, isn't it? It's honeycombed with blind spots and limited perspective. And anytime we go to step off the Word of God onto our own understanding, it's, it does not end well. And here the wise man is saying, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. And so what does trust lead to? It leads to obedience or submission. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In, in all your ways, submit to him. The part of this text, again, the word all jumped out at me. This isn't just some ways we pick and choose what, what we're going to follow God on, but he's like, Trust me with, with your entire life, all your ways, submit to me. Trust leads to obedience and just surrendering to his lead. So that means as we're, we're seeking his will and his word, and what a gift to have the revealed will of God. But when he says, go this way, we're going with it. And then when there's parts of our lives that we, we can't quite see, and perhaps it's in those scary situations where we're trying to navigate where God's leading us, he says, pray for wisdom and I'll give it in James 1. And don't you love how he says, how does God give us wisdom when we ask for it in James chapter 1? Generously, without finding fault. He is faithful to give us the counsel that we need and the wisdom that we need. But when he shows us, he says, don't doubt, but trust me. Just follow me. Um, follow my lead as, as I lead you. And then what happens, and this is where it, it, uh, it gets good. As it says, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. 
or he will direct your path. It's that idea of he will lead you to the desired destination, life's best for you, which is to bring him glory, to bring good to those around us. And it's the picture of clearing the path, of uh, going before us. And what a gift. I think of all the, the gifts of walking with God, this is one of the great ones while we're here, is just having that sense as you look back on your life of, I was walking in the shadow of the Almighty, and the omnipotent hand of the Creator was clearing the path for his, this little creature, his son, his daughter, but he was making the way. <laughs> and man, that was awesome to watch him step by step provide, guide, and take us to uh, just to where he was leading it's right here, I can't help but think Solomon would pause and get a far-off look in his eye as he's sharing this with his kids and encouraging them to trust the Lord with all your heart and just say, hey, have I told you kids about Grandpa? And they're like, yeah, but tell us again. He's like, all right. Grandpa was a teenager, and the prophet Samuel had already come to him and anointed him to be the next king. But he's still stuck in the in-between. David, he's in the food preparation and delivery business right now. He's still just raising sheep and delivering crackers and cheese to the soldiers, the important people. And, but he's faithful. He's doing it. But one day he shows up with crackers and cheese on the front lines, and there's a giant, Goliath, who's trash-talking the armies, and it lights him up. He gets upset. He says, who is this guy to trash talk the armies of the living God and he starts asking the soldiers and guess what he sees in every eye fear paralyzing them it's their moment of what are we going to do in this moment with this situation word gets back to the king of the day what's a king's primary job to protect the people king's scared too goes to Saul and tells him I'll go fight this guy and I we love the uh the lions, 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He gives him his armor, tries on the armor, doesn't fit, says I'll be good with my sling and my, my stone. He picks five smooth stones, heads out there to meet the guy and the, the giant laughs at him, mocks him. You're sending a boy against me? And David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All, all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give And, and uh, he will give all you into our hands. And then the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into the bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The, so the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. When's the day? I can imagine a little girl raising her hand saying, what if the stone had missed? He would have slung another one. What if he would have missed with all five stones? He had a sword because we know he cut off his head. He would have fought him with the sword. He was going to battle. Why? His trust was in the Lord. And God wins, and the Lord provides wins the day. Well, I can imagine those kids processing that story. And then one little guy raises his hand and says, 
why was, like, what made David different from everybody else? One sold, one guy, one, he wasn't even a soldier yet. Where did he get the courage to go charge in this nine-foot giant? And I can imagine Solomon smiling and saying, great question, and here's the answer. So, I, uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 30, 13. So Samuel took a, flat, a horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his, his brothers, anointed him king. And here's the secret. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Does David charge Goliath in his own power? Oh, no. He's empowered by the indwelling Spirit of God who gives him the ability to trust, who gives him the courage to go. David had an unfair advantage that day. That giant stood no chance. Now, are you guys ready for some good news? Is anybody ready? Can I get a hand? Somebody give me a hand. Who needs some good news today? If you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, the same Spirit that empowered David to go charging the Goliath is indwelling you. Right? This is the gift. This is the promise. And He indwells you to, to lead you. It's not by our power that we fight this fight. And in those moments when we're looking at what God calls us to in the the way ahead seems impossible. We can charge it with the courage of David because it's his spirit that indwells us. We have, you have an unfair advantage when it comes to facing the forces of darkness, which naturally are way bigger than we are. Isn't that awesome? With his presence, we won't lose. We can't lose. Apart from his presence, game, set, match. So Paul shouts from Galatians chapter 5. Guys, it's by the Holy Spirit that we are alive, right? He's the one who opened our eyes to the beauty of the cross, gave us the capacity to believe in Jesus Christ. It's by the Spirit we live. So keep in step with the Spirit. This is everything. The question is not, do you have the power to accomplish what he's called you to do? The question is, do you trust him? Will you keep in step with the Spirit? Will, will, will you follow His Word? And He opens our eyes to the Word. He wrote the Word through people. He enlightens our eyes to the Word. He applies the words to our life. The question is, will we follow His Word? So He says, keep in step with the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Meaning, don't take the Word of God. And if He said, one example, I'm on a rabbit trail. I won't go there. But if He said, do this, do it. All right? I got it. I'll go there. It's a holiday. One, you know, it's fun. As a pastor, one of the qualifications of a pastor is gentleness. Because I, I speak for the Word of God and I'm flawed. And so if you come across powerful with it, then whatever I said that was wrong, I represent God in a wrong way. So I'm always saying, be, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. So when, in a counseling situation, I'm, I listen, listen, listen. I pray, Lord, make me gentle and just lead people to truth. And it often, often takes several sessions. And when I could say it all in five minutes. So I'm at, meet a guy, friend, but, but he doesn't go to our church. And he's telling me his problems with his relationship. He's living with this girl. They're not married. Got a kid. And uh, they're having these problems. And uh, I said, Lord, can I just say it? And I got the green light. I was like, yes. 
I said, is she going all out for Jesus? Or I said, here's the deal. Are you guys married? He goes, no. I said, good. Here's what you need to do. Go home and you ask her. Are, I'm going all out after Jesus. Are you going to go all out after Jesus? And if she says no, pack your bags and walk out the door. That simple. He goes, blah, 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 blah. No, it's that simple. God said, don't be unequally yoked. What does light have to do with darkness? If you want a miserable life, go, go marry someone or go try to live in a relationship with someone who's not following Jesus. It's like two oxes pulling in opposite directions. You, now, if you enjoy pain, go do that. But otherwise, don't. Now, if you're married with somebody who, who uh, and you know, you, one of you came to Christ, God will give you the grace to, to love that person and get through that. But then, um, but then uh, so I just said it. And then uh, I said, and then here's what you do. You go out and you run as hard as you can after Jesus and you look around and if you find a girl run, and you look around and whoever's running just as hard after Jesus, if she lights your fire, marry her. And uh, there, there it was. I said it. I don't know if I should have said that, but uh, <laughs> I might have saved somebody under a lot of pain. So, uh, <laughs> but that's the, the example, right? Of, uh, you know, when God says go for it and he's given us his word, his spirit, that uh, follow me. Don't, don't quench my spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. And then the other neat thing with the spirit is, this is core, Ephesians 5.18. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery and basically it by, causes us to violate the law of love. We, we say dumb things. We do dumb things that hurt the people we love the most. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the spirit. Meaning, Open up your heart to the influence of God and just pray, Lord, you have all of me. What's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It's just putting out your soul like a cup and saying, open up that tap and let it overflow. And every area of my life is accessible to you. I surrender to you. And when we do that, the power of God is available and will equip us. Now, will we feel strong and all that? No, we're jars of clay. But he will do what he's called us to do through his power and for his glory. So if we have 30 days to live, why make this a core priority? Of all the priorities that we could have, why this one? To trust the Lord with all your heart. And I wish we could just mic up and go around the room. I know story after story we could share of God's faithfulness as we've trusted him, not leaned to our own understanding. But... Uh, could I encourage you to think of your story today and then share that as you hang out with family and just do that for just a, a testimony in your own family. I'll share a quick one. I learned that this was uh, yesterday. I was sharing this with Tam. learned this was her life verse and pretty neat. She said, you know, the one part for her was, babe, are you in here? I don't see her this hour. She was here last hour. I was going to invite her up to, to say whatever was on her mind, but she's off the hook on that one. <laughs> but uh, she said, you know, when I was going through cancer, what God gave was lean not on your own understanding. And often it's in those trials we think, that, that's not how I saw life happening. But uh, God is, he's bigger than, than our understanding. So lean not on your own understanding. No, I'm, I'm at work even in this situation. But to share the one from my journey as I look back, and hope this is just an encouragement to, to those of you maybe at the start of your journey, was when we accepted the call to be a youth pastor in Milwaukee, had gone to school, 
and we were U-hauling from Dallas to Milwaukee and stopped here in Danville home to just refuel with our loved ones and spend a week before we jumped into the mix. And it's one of those like Sarah Fisher, you get in the race, but then you're in the race and you're like, ah, here we are in the middle. Help me, Lord. And I was having that moment, just scared about what was coming. And fear was threatening to paralyze me. And I was headed down to Ellis Park early one morning to do a basketball workout. Opened up the Word of God before working out and turned to, I don't know how I ended up in Jeremiah chapter 17, but God spoke to me and gave me this truth, this priority through His text, through His Word. As Jeremiah says this, in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places in the desert, of the desert, in, the, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Trust me with all your heart. And isn't that an awesome picture? It was as if the Lord was saying, John, I know you're looking at the future and you're, it's scary and there's, it's bigger than you, the, the challenges that you're going to be facing. But here's your secret. Here's your, here's your hope. Trust me. Because if you trust me, Here's what your life is going to be like. It's going to be like a tree planted by the streams of water. And when the heat comes, the hard times come, you're going to have all you need. In the year of drought, no worries. And when it's all said and done, you're going to bear fruit. In fact, here's the, the one-word title that you could put up over your life when, when you get done with it. Blessed. Isn't that awesome? But if you let your trust migrate, and you start to trust in humans, your own abilities, or other humans, your boss, or the people around you, or you look for your, your, your trust, you put your trust in your stuff, or your whatever it may be, you'll be like a bush in the wastelands. This idea of the bush being a picture of just wilting life, and, um, that, that place of anxiety and stress, and just this horrible space to live. But if you will trust me, you will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. You know, this time of year is, or this weekend is a unique one, isn't it? Where it's one of those we have time just to kind of pause a bit of a lazy weekend, pull out the grills and enjoy time with family. Remembering those who sacrificed and gave their life, as Wes mentioned, we just pause to just remember our freedom came at a cost. Often as we head to the, the uh, cemeteries, we remember our loved ones as well that we've said goodbye to and just a time to thank the Lord for them and their legacy. This is a church family. This is the Sunday that we set aside just to remember those who went home to be with the Lord this past year. And, you know, as you pause and we have a list of those 
those of you who know, each life, a story of God's faithfulness. And having been somewhat close to each of these folks, know that if they could say one thing to us, it would be, trust the Lord with all your heart. (laughs) He's faithful. He's faithful. The other part of this weekend is um, school's out, and or this next couple weeks, I know, and graduations, and there's just something about that completion that helps us remember life is brief, and we're all moving, and we celebrate the value of each student as well as the accomplishments of, of each graduate. And and this week, as I was at Tuesday night, I was rolling through Twitter and saw um, Lainey Gilbert, one of our girls, Lou and Jana's daughter, had uh, taken time in her last week to just pause and write down all the things that she wished, wishes she would have known as a, uh, a freshman and put those in her blog. I encourage you to check, check her blog out. But what blew me away as I was preparing for this message was, guess what she put number one? <laughs> And Lainey writes, hey everyone, I felt it necessary that I share what I have learned on the long windy path of adolescence that we call high school. I've learned a lot in the past four years. I credit that entirely to the amazing humans who have contributed to it and also to Jesus. You can sometimes see and feel the small changes that God makes in your heart as they're happening, but you can't view them in their entirety until they're in the past. And even then, we can't understand exactly why we've been placed in the circumstances that we're in. And I love what she says next. The Lord is amazing. (laughs) You know, we look at our lives and we see a little bit of the puzzle coming together, but ultimately we, we just land on that God is amazing. And then here she goes, she writes a little bit more, but then this is what she says. Here we go. And she listens a number of things that she wishes she she had known. But number one was this, trust in the Lord. God always has a plan for you. And it's usually not about the end result, but about everything that happens along the way. More often than not, it's not the same plan you had for yourself. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) And then she says this, prayer is immensely important. It took me until my sophomore year to understand that God wants to hear from me. I knew that we must worship the Lord because he's awesome. But I never understood the relationship aspect until it hit me. God craves a relationship with his children. He longs to speak to us on a personal level. Therefore, we should pray about everything. When you're sad, pray about it. When you're happy, praise him for it. When you're bored, tell him about your day. It sounds crazy, but it will change everything. And the wisest man to live says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He is faithful, isn't he? I don't know where, where your life's gonna lead or where my, my life's gonna lead, But this I do know, the one who created us, the one who loves us said, you can trust me. And if you will, 
Your life will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, and you will bear fruit, the fruit that I've called you to bear. Do you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today and just this anchor for our soul. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have been faithful and to know that you will be faithful into the future. I thank you for the grace to even trust you and and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I thank you for each of my brothers and sisters here today and wherever we may be. Father, I pray that, that your command and invitation into complete trust and complete surrender would, uh, would be what we respond to. We love you, and we thank you for all that you've done to, for us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.